My title for the message this morning is simply a word of encouragement. It's not particularly catchy or exciting. Uh, and truth be told, I can't stand figuring out titles for sermons. It's my least favorite thing to do. And Monique will attest to this. She's always chasing me down. What's the title of your sermon? What's the title of your sermon? I just, if it was up to me, I think everyone would be untitled or maybe like a magazine. It would just be issue number one, issue number two. You know, that's what I would do. Sermon number one, sermon number two, the one about the armor of God or whatever else. So, but this morning, a word of encouragement seemed appropriate because I don't want to preach so much this morning. I am going to preach, but I don't want to preach so much as I want to give a word of encouragement to this congregation. And what's on my heart is, I'm thinking the same thing I thought six months ago on March 25th. I preached a sermon, and that was a a hard Sunday to preach because that was the first Sunday that Martin and Denise weren't here. And so the same thing was on my heart. I want to encourage this congregation because that that was kind of tough, you know. And, uh, you know, so I was thinking about, I was getting into the Word of God, and I was trying to develop a sermon for that particular Sunday on March 25th, and I had a working title, which was huge for me, because I don't like titles. So to actually have a working title, um, that was exciting. And it was simply, Where Do We Go From Here, was my working title. And uh, it seemed appropriate, because I think for a lot of us at that time, that was on our hearts. Where do we go from here? What, what happens now? Uh, Martin's left, and who's coming, and, and how long is it going to take, and who's going to be involved in that process of figuring out who comes, and, and what happens in the meantime? And so I got into the Bible, and I started to put this message together, and what came to mind was uh, Psalm 33. So we looked at Psalm 33 that Sunday, and we looked at, while we wait, we rejoice. We rejoice while we wait, because we rejoice in the things that God has done, We rejoice in the things that God is doing, and we rejoice in the things that God is going to do. Amen? And so I I summed up the whole sermon by saying this. Where we go from here, and that that changed the title. Instead of where do we go from here, I realized it's more of a statement. Where we go from here. Where we go from here is hopefully where we have always gone, and that is to the Lord. Amen? We go to the Lord, we put our trust and our hope in him. Where we go from here is hopefully where we have always gone, and that is to the cross of Christ. We preach Christ because as a congregation we live Christ. Why? Because we love Christ. That is where we should always be going. doesn't matter who's here. doesn't matter who's coming. That is always the place where we need to be as a congregation. The truth is we are a congregation that is in the midst not so much of change but of transition. Change and transition sound similar, but they're actually kind of different. Change happens all the time. It's not necessarily always hard. Case in point, two weeks ago we didn't have Sunday school. Now this week we have Sunday school. That's a change. The transition for that is that for those who want to come to Sunday school, we need to get up earlier and we need to come to church earlier. And it's a bigger transition for those who are teaching Sunday school because now they need to prepare their lessons and they need need to come even earlier than that to to teach those lessons and get everything ready. And for the worship team, it's an even bigger transition than that because you have to come even earlier on a Sunday morning now to practice. Change and transition. When I think about when Martin left, that was a change that we faced and it's kind of like, change is kind of like a brick wall sometimes. It's right in front of you, and you don't know how to get around it, and you don't know how to get over it, right? And transition is what leads us through that change. 
Transition is something that takes us through that. And I really believe that if we come together as a congregation, as we have been, and we focus on who Christ is and the love of Christ, and the love that we have for each other through that love of Christ, that's going to get us through that change. Not because we don't get over Martin and we forget about him or anything like that. That's not the case. But we look forward to what God has as well. And we look forward to that with, with anticipation and excitement. And I'm very excited that in two weeks, Travis will be here at this proverbial pulpit and he will be preaching. And that's very exciting. Somewhat for personal and selfish reasons. Hooray, here, have some work. But, uh, but more so because I really believe God has things he wants to do. And I believe that Travis and Nicole and their three children, Reagan and Clay and Molly, are integral to that. And I believe that Jesus wants to see this succeed. And the reason why is because Jesus loves the church. And we can talk about that in terms of the earthly church, you know, like all over the world, Jesus loves the church. And we can talk about it as a body of believers just here in this room. Jesus loves the church. Do you believe it? Jesus calls the church the bride of Christ. That speaks volumes. That says a lot about the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. Can you imagine? Think about for a moment the, uh, the vows that a husband and wife make at the altar. Can you imagine for a moment, if we, if we set aside sort of the, all the romantic implications of that and we just look at the promise, can you imagine if Christ walked through that door right now and he came up to us and he said, guys, I really want to have a commitment with you. I want to enter into a committed relationship with you from this day forward to have and to hold for richer or for poorer, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. Wow. Can you imagine that? And can we as a congregation imagine for a moment our relationship with Christ and individually our relationship with Christ? Could we respond to Christ saying the same thing? Lord, I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you from this day forward to have and to hold for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health to love and to cherish. That's what God is wanting to see. That's what Jesus is wanting to see with us, this personal connection. It's kind of a paradox because God is almighty as well. We spoke about that this morning. God is almighty and you know, if he was to appear today, we would just be on our faces probably praying to die because our eyes have seen the Lord. So almighty God, personal God, it's awesome. Jesus loves the church. It is his heart to see the church flourish and succeed in doing good works, not through our power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't so much become a prayer anymore, it becomes a reality. I believe that's what Jesus wants to see. In my personal study time, I've been reading through Ephesians. And as I got through chapter 3 of the Ephesians, there's a prayer in there that caught, me, caught my eye, it caught my heart. It's this prayer that Paul offers up to the church, or up, up to God, sorry, on behalf of the church. And this prayer has been on my heart, and I want to share it with you this morning uh, as, an, as a word of encouragement. So let's open up our Bibles to, chapter, to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, we talked about this just a couple weeks ago, actually. I preached out of Ephesians then as well. When Paul wrote this letter to the church that was received by the, the church of Ephesus, um, 
he wasn't really uh, responding to any kind of uh, heresy or any kind of big correction. Really, it's this, this encouraging letter. It's this letter that's just talking about this is what life is like in the body of Christ. And so in chapter 3, we find this prayer. And I want us to look at this. Let's start with verses 14 and 15. Paul begins by saying, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We are all descended, so to speak, from the Father. Right? And when Paul writes about, I kneel before the Father, the people that he was writing to at that time, they would have heard not so much, you know, father in terms of, you know, a father, a loving father. I mean, that is what they would have heard. But they would have also heard someone in authority. And so God, out of his love and authority, created everything, the heavens and the earth, and he created all of us. And so if we are all descended from the Father, from our heavenly Father, what does that make us? Who dares to say it? Children of God? Yeah? And what does that make us as a church, the congregation? Family. We are family, guys. The church is family. That either warms your heart or it fills you with dread to the very core. Because some of us haven't had the best family situations. Some of us have had really hard times, and now we think, oh, great, now i got even more family that I get to deal with. That's wonderful. But you know what? It is wonderful, because God is all about family. Look at the very triune being of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, family. I mean, we're talking about family before time even began. And then when God did create the world and he created everything in it, what's the first thing he did? He created an earthly family. He brought Adam out of the ground and he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. And so he created a wife for him. He created Eve. And now we have an earthly family. And the best part is, is even if you were the last person standing on earth, you would still be in family because as Peg pointed out, we are adopted. We are children of God. God is all about family. And Paul kind of begins this prayer with this notion and so he's talking already about unity. He's talking about being together. So let's think about that as we go through the next few verses. Let's look at verse uh, 16 through 19. Paul continues. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In this prayer that Paul gives, he asks two things. First, Paul prays that the church should be strengthened in power through the Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Now, this is an important request because we, as a sort of ragtag bunch of believers that we are, I mean, don't get me wrong, we look pretty good. Some of us look very good. Jeremy Jashishin, I don't know who dressed you this morning. You look fantastic. <laughs> Excellent sense of style, my friend. But we are this ragtag bunch of believers 
And if we rely on our own power to get by, we are not going to get very far. We're not. If we rely on our own resources, if we rely on our own wisdom and understanding, if we rely on our own ability to love, we're not going to get that far, actually. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit because it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we come to know Christ and remain in him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus talks to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He calls him the Spirit of Truth. And the Spirit of Truth, he testifies about who Christ is. The Spirit of Truth guides us, Jesus says. He guides us into all truth. Now this is good news. Because it means that we can count on God to help us understand who he is, who Christ is, and his word. Do you remember two weeks ago we talked about the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and just how important it is to know the word of God? Remember we talked about, you know, you got cool Bible apps that can help you out to remember the word of God, and we've got all sorts of books. Glennis, bless your heart, you brought up all these books from the library that deal expressly about how to read the Bible. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. So I talked about all these things. I forgot to talk about the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive me. I forgot to talk about the Holy Spirit. This is better than a Bible app. This is better than a book. This is someone who is alive, and his whole purpose is to guide us into all truth, to guide us into what the Bible is speaking about. Praise the Lord. All we have to do is call upon him and ask for help, and he will be there to do so. Praise God. So that's exciting. And here's the really exciting part, and listen very closely to this. Jesus doesn't want to be near you. Jesus doesn't want to be near you. The elders are getting really nervous right now. Jesus wants to dwell in you. Isn't that awesome? Jesus wants to dwell in you. To be near you means simply that in time perhaps he could be far from you. But to dwell in you, that means he is here to stay. I'm talking putting up the curtains and picking out some wall-to-wall and putting in some furniture. Christ wants to dwell in us. And if Christ dwells in us, continuously he'll be working in us to shape us and to mold us and to have us become who he wants to be. I mean, think about it. Anyone can share a home together, right? You can have roommates that you don't really know, but you've lived together for so long. But to build a home together, Not just live in a house, but to build a home speaks of relationship. There we are again, personal relationship, and that is what Christ desires. And as he dwells in us, we become rooted in him. Or as Paul writes, rooted in love. The second thing, so the first thing that Paul prays about is being strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we may know Christ and have him dwell in our hearts. The second thing that Paul prays for is that again, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church would truly come to comprehend how big the love of Christ is. This love that Paul says surpasses all knowledge. The love of Christ is bigger than anything that we could ever imagine because Christ is bigger than anything that we could imagine. It's another paradox. How do you grasp grasp and comprehend someone that is just so big and yet, he says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ's love is revealed to us, and we come to know him. 
Paul's motive for asking this, that the church would grasp the love of Christ so that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That sounds really cool. What does that mean? <laughs> Let's look at how Eugene Peterson talks about it through uh, his paraphrase, the message. Verses 17 through 19 in the message, it says, And I ask him, I ask God, that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. It's like Paul is saying, dare to dream big, you guys. Dare to dream big because we have a big God. Dare to dream big about how our lives could be when we are living in the richness of Christ's love and we come to really get to know that love through the power of the Holy Spirit. Dare to dream big. And so if we're talking about dreaming big, what could that look like here as a church? What in our lives could we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, change so that we were living more and more like Jesus? I believe we need to get to know our Bibles. I think that's a good place to start. Glennis, thank you for bringing up those books. I'd like to see every one of those books taken out by the end of this service, by the end of the day. Don't leave now to take them out. Um, but these are great resources to help us learn how to read the Bible. I'm serious about this Bible app. There is a verse a day in here. And when I suggested two weeks ago that we memorize that verse every single day, I saw everybody laugh. Dare I say scoff, perhaps. I don't know. Guys, I don't boast in me, I boast in Jesus Christ. I've been able to memorize this since early July, every day, a verse or two. I want to encourage all of us who maybe use these things, or maybe just get into the Bible itself, what a concept, to memorize a verse a day. We could start a Facebook group about this. Who's with me? We could start an email group. We could say, okay, how many this week have you memorized? Hey, I memorized five out of seven this week. That's great. I memorized three. I memorized seven out of seven verses this week. Wouldn't that be awesome? Who's with me? Who wants to start one up? I'm serious. There we go. All right, we'll start it up. We need to get to know the Bible. We need some more Bible studies. Men, we are being put to shame by the woman. They are having a Bible study faithfully every year, twice a year sometimes. All I hear, Beth more of this, Beth more of that, Beth more of this. <laughs> Guys, we are being put to shame by the woman. We need to have these Bible studies. We tried. We tried an early morning one. Bit of an experiment, didn't quite work out. Who's going to start one? Men, I'm talking to you. Who's going to start one up? Who's going to help facilitate? <laughs> Riley is? Awesome. Who's going to help facilitate? Who's going to host it? Who's going to open up their home? I'm serious. When Travis gets here, he is all about this stuff. Let's beat him to it. Let's start one up next week. Who's with me? We need these Bible studies. Young adults, you guys have met every Wednesday night since I can't remember when, it seems. All through the summer, you guys have been meeting on Wednesday nights. That's fantastic. And I know you guys desire to also get deeper in the Bible as well. Go for it. Don't be afraid about it. Go for it. Bless you guys for all that. Bless you guys, Brian and Crystal and Barb, for all the work you guys have been doing. That's awesome. Teenagers, you guys are reading Crazy Love. That's awesome. Did you read the first chapter this week? Yeah? I want to ask you to continue to do so. This is a good book, and you've got great leaders that are here to help you out. Thank you, Scott and Kelsey. Thank you, Matt and Ernie, for all the work you guys have been doing. I'm so proud of what you guys have accomplished. Dream big, guys. This is good stuff. This book will challenge you. And all these works that you guys are going to be doing with the Volunteer Victoria stuff is awesome. 
Parents, you should be so happy with what your kids are up to right now and what these leaders are doing. It's fantastic. Let's dare to dream big. You guys remember these? Yeah? You remember what these are? Earlier in the summer, one of my sermons, I asked you guys to write down something that you're good at. Something that you're good at. Something that God could take and perhaps use for his glory. Something that you wouldn't even imagine you could do with this. There's all sorts of great stuff in this. The first one says loving. That's awesome. We've got cooking in here. We've got uh, playing instruments. We've got sports. We've got sewing. We've got all sorts of stuff. Cooking kept coming in over and over and over again. Consequently, I think Mark Langley wrote down eating. So we've got some awesome opportunities here for ministry. But guys, seriously, there is stuff in here that God could use for his glory, stuff that you never imagined he could do with it. Are you excited by it? Those of you who wrote things down on here that you want to see something happen, talk to me. Let's talk. Let's see what we can get going. Seriously, we need to dream big because we have a big God. And I believe he has things. He's been doing wonderful things. He has done wonderful things. And he wants to do even more wonderful things. Okay, enough cheerleading. <laughs> Church, are we, can we be a congregation that is strengthened, that is made up of people strengthened by the Holy Spirit? Are we, can we be a congregation that has Christ dwelling in our hearts? Yeah, I think so. Are we, can we be a congregation that again, strengthened through the Holy Spirit, can come to know just how big God's love is and act out of that love? Yeah, I think we are. In many ways, I believe we are. In many ways, I believe we could be more so. Always. There's always room to grow in this. We are a church in a time of transition, and our love and dependence on Christ is what's going to see us through it. Our love for Christ is what's going to help us heed the words that he spoke when he said, a new commandment I have for you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He's not given us much room to budge on it. We may not like one another, but we have to love one another. By doing so, all men will see that you are my disciples, if you love one another, is what Christ said. And we need that. We need to come alongside each other and continue to build upon these relationships that we've been building. We need to create new relationships. We need to reach out to the people that have been coming that we haven't really met yet. They're kind of on the outside and say, hey, come on in. Come get to know some people. Get involved. We need to build on this, and we need to come alongside each other to support each other, to love one another, to encourage one another during these times. And these are good times. These, these aren't even hard times. But we may have hard times coming. We have had some hard questions brought up. And I think we have some hard conversations coming up, too. That's not something to be afraid of. But it means we need to love one another and have each other's backs because the enemy would love for us to be at each other's throats instead. I think back to what Martin said on his very last sermon before he left. Let's throw in a good helping of grace for one another as well. Yeah. 
I want to end this on a bit of a more personal note. I want to say thank you to everyone. Um, this is my last sermon that I'll be preaching before Travis arrives. And so this kind of book ends for me, that time that was started on March 25th when I preached after Martin had just left. And so thank you for putting up with me in this time. Uh, glory to God. You know, I think God's done some really good things, and I think he's going to do, I know he's going to do even more wonderful things. And I'm excited because we need a senior minister. Some are nodding vigorously. Yes, we do. <laughs> but it's true. We need a senior minister. You know what? I need a senior minister quite badly. And so I'm glad he's coming. So let's welcome them and let's bless them and let's get ready to see what God's going to do. I think it's going to be an awesome ride. I really do. There might be some bumps along the way and we're going to be, be there for each other during that time. Amen? And so as I wrap this up, I want to wrap up with the words of Paul as he wrapped up this prayer. He says, now to him, speak about dreaming big, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Worship team, come on up, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks, Lord God. For what you have done at Shelburne Street, what you are doing and what you are going to do, Lord God, prepare us, Lord Jesus, to serve you as best we can, Lord, in any way that you see fit, Lord. Help us to be willing to do so. Give us love for one another, Lord God, that comes out of that love for you, Lord Jesus. Give us your Holy Spirit, Lord, to guide us into all truth, Lord. May we follow what he says, Lord. Give us grace for one another and patience for one another during times of transition where it is hard, Lord. But Lord, we look forward to you. We come to you as we always have, Lord Jesus, and we rely on you, Lord, to do wonderful things for your glory, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and thanks. Amen.